It's Bliss and Me. It's Dr. Stu's podcast. True Fireside Chat, number 19? Yeah. 19? Okay, with me, your host, Dr. Stuart Fishbein, community-based birthing obstetrician and longtime advocate for birth choices. And I'm here, as usual, with the best co-host in the business. We're back. We missed last week. We're very sorry. We were at yeah. a birth together. My midwife extraordinaire, my friend of the serious one. Good morning. Bliss Young. Good morning, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> oh, and happy uh, two things. Happy Veterans Day to everybody. Happy Veterans Day. Some of you will be watching this later than Veterans Day, but um, it is a very it's a very important day because today is also the 28th birthday of my twins. Aww, so it's birthday, always boys. easy to remember their birthday because it's 11 11. 11 11. 11 11. They're 28 years old today, oh. and we've already been having some fun uh, family texting going on this morning. So it's great. They're both at work. Which is good. It's a good thing when both your kids have jobs. <laughs> all three. <laughs> all four. Yes, all four. All four have jobs. It's really kind of cool. Um, so anyway, so happy Veterans Day to everybody. It's important. We should honor our veterans because we wouldn't be here with the freedom to do the things that we do if we didn't have veterans. My boy's a veteran. He is a veteran. Yes. Yep. He was like, what are you going to do for me tomorrow? <laughs> I'm getting into Same lunch. thing you do every day. <laughs> Pay his rent and you know, <laughs> take him to lunch and all that other stuff. Right? Good morning. Uh, so hi everybody. So check us out by the way at drstewspodcast.com. Uh, you can find me on you can find it on iTunes or on Spotify or right, know, everything else that you can find it on your podcast app on your phone for now. <laughs> yeah. He's so, threatening to leave or, Facebook. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I am threatening to leave Facebook. I'm a little pissed off at Facebook. Yeah. And some other big tech companies, too. And it's for the same reason everyone should be pissed off about it. We should not be censoring information. We should not be. Right. Don't censor us, <laughs> specifically. Yeah. Well, I have been. Warnings. I've had warnings on that. And when I talk about vaccines, oh, oh. we're screwed. <laughs> we're totally, the camera's we're still. totally screwed now. Okay. <laughs> um so you can uh, you can find me at, uh, at birthinginstincts.com or uh, Instagram at at Birthing Instincts, correct? Mm -hmm. And you can and you can write to me at drstu uh, at oh, excuse me ask Doctor Stu uh, ask Doctor Stu <laughs> what is the, what is my uh, at gmail.com. Thank you. There we go. Oh my God! Isn't it written down? Uh, I don't think that one's actually written down. Oh, okay, now. we should add it. Oh no, there it is. <laughs> there it is. There it is. I still have your old Hotmail one on it. So. Bliss, at birthingbliss.com if you want to reach out to me or DM me on Instagram. Yes, I remember saying once before that when I was little, you could you could dial nine, uh, seven numbers and find me at Walnut 21570. <laughs> that was my phone number when I was growing up. So, uh, yeah, remember those days with before area codes? Mm -hmm. You do. A little bit. You're old enough? Mm -hmm. Yeah, a little bit. Okay, cool. All right, so here we are. Um, we've got a couple things uh, on the um, thing besides Veterans Day. I want to talk, because we missed last week, I want to talk a little bit about the fun time I had in Montana. Yeah. You and looked like you were having fun in those pictures. It was fun. Yeah, good. It was really fun. We, we need a, fun. We had a really good group. It was the first uh, Reteach Breeds conference that was live uh, that I had since January, since Alaska. Some of you may remember the pictures from Alaska. Um, and it was uh, really nice. We had great weather. It was in the 50s and 60 degrees. It had snowed the week before us, but all the snow had melted. And we had 20 people there, and it was a very congenial, fun time. Two full days of lecturing and talking and meals and, then hands, and some hands-on uh, thing. I actually, it's really interesting. Just before the conference, I'd gotten two emails from graduates of my Reteach Breed class who sent me back uh, stories about how what they learned at the Reteach Breed class saved somebody. Amazing. So that was really cool. That is cool. Right. If I achieve nothing else in my life, which I will, but but I, it's nice to know that there are some babies and stuff that have come out and mothers that have come out okay because people learn stuff in my class. Absolutely. So listen up, all you residency programs. You should <laughs> be teaching this sort of stuff. Um, all the comments, pretty much every comment. On the Instagram posts were great, mm -hmm. except one person wondered why we weren't wearing masks. Yeah, of course. Right. Mm -hmm. 
So you can unfriend me. <laughs> if you want to. All right. Yeah, you should be all, we should not all be wearing masks. Right. Weren't you listening last week? What happened last or week? Or two weeks ago? What did we say two weeks ago? You, the last 20 minutes, you talked about um, at least pregnancy and all oh, that yeah. of mask wearing with viruses. Yeah, masks, masks should be optional. If people want to wear them because they want to protect themselves or they have family members and they're worried, fine, wear one. But don't, don't mask shame people who don't want to wear them. They're very uncomfortable, and I can't really teach with a mask on. It's right. hard to hear. Yeah, it's hard to hear. You can't see your lips, and you can't, and then you can't, you can't see responses on people by just seeing their eyes. Mm -hmm. You can't, mm -hmm. right? And then if they want to talk to me, I already have a hard hearing problem anyway, so I can't hear them. So there were no masks. Nobody complained. Nobody wanted. There were little kids there. It was, we had a great time. And by the way, it's been two weeks, and no one's gotten sick. Right. So I think we're clear. Right. We do have an invader trying to get into the room. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys can hear that, but Jax, Jax is trying to tear the door down. Okay. <laughs> Um, okay, so I think um, we want to talk about a birth that we did together. You want to bring that up first? Or you want to do the other news first? A, a birth we did together and almost did together? Yeah, you can tell, <laughs> tell, tell, tell a story. People, this, is a, this is one of the things that's an advantage of, of being in Southern California, is that, not to toot my own horn, but you, you, ha you have me. I know. So? For a little bit. Um, so, uh, there's a law in California that says that, um, clients, uh, pregnant people cannot go beyond 42 weeks. And if they do in their gestation, they have to, um, then be in a doctor's care. So usually that means transporting to the hospital. Um, but luckily I have, um, Dr. Fishbein, Dr. Stu to be able to call in if someone can afford it. I mean, not everybody can afford your services either. That's true. So you have to be able to have the ability to do that, which is really hard for me and my clients for the ones that, you know, they don't have that option. And I'm yeah, sure for it, you guys all over the country. It would be really nice if insurance companies would get off their butts and start realizing how much money they would be saving by me paying for something like that to continue or paying me to come and put a vacuum on or, or do a repair. All right, is this, is, this, is this the garbage man or is this the gardener? <laughs> That's the gar Friday's the gardener. It'll be done in a second. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, how, many, how many OBs across the country do home births? Well, there's no registry of them, so I actually don't know the answer to that question. I mean, I'm sure there are some that do them on the sly. Mm -hmm. How many do what I do and promote it? Uh, Five? Three? I don't know any other ones that do it. Oh, I thought, well, we David have, Hayes is retired. We have Dr. Flores. Oh, Dr. Well, Dr. Flores is new, right? So, right. She, so it's Dr. Flores. Boots. Uh, Boots Taylor, is a, he, he's a hospital base. Okay. He has a birth center. Yeah. Sea uh, yeah. Babies is great. He's in Atlanta, and it's great. So, um, but there, I'm sure there are other people out there. And by the way, if anybody knows of any. Let us know. Let us know if there's any doctors that have sort of done what I've done and given up hospital birthing. Because I would like to. Uh, form a union <laughs> of three or four of us. <laughs> no, there are there are there are none. Yeah, we could talk a little bit about Dr. Flores. She's just out of her residency program. She wants to do home birthing. She knew that from the beginning. That's amazing. And uh, the problem is, of course, for her is is she's still very medical. I don't, I've been at a couple births with her in my office, and she she needs to like. Hang out with midwives. Yeah, she needs to spend. I spent ten years with midwives, or before I even thought of creating the woman's place. Mm -hmm. And then it was another. It was another fifteen years, a total of twenty-five years before I went to the home birth. Yeah. And then also, she's not skilled in breaches and in certain twin presentations. So she really is only going to be doing like head down. Now, some people want a, a doctor to be there, mm -hmm. but she's going to be really competing with midwives because she's only going to be really doing what midwives can do. And, so what I always say to them is when I meet a consult who's got a head down single to babies, like, you don't really need me, you know? Yeah. And then they sometimes say, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> and then sometimes they say, well, we want you anyway. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Okay. So. So my client um, went up until 42 weeks. We were, we were working on it with castor oil and other things the day before. She seemed to have an active pattern and then it kind of petered out and she was very tired. She'd had a couple of days of um, on and off labor 
And um, so we made, we were talking about whether or not we wanted to transport to the hospital into the care of one of the, uh, my midwife friends, who, who Naomi Drucker, who works out of Cedars. And I love that I can transport to her. And Dr. Brock was going to back her. So we knew that there was a very good chance she would get a vaginal delivery um, or to have you come on the team. And ultimately, we got the labor going enough that I felt like we could do it at home. And so they had you come and you came and sat on the couch and played with the dogs. It was very cute. <laughs> I some pictures of that I can post on your Instagram. They were so cute, those dogs. They were, and they loved their mama. Um, and so... They were, they were wiener dogs. Yeah. Yeah, dachshunds. They were part dachshund. Yeah. And the female dog... With the was, longer hair? ...was the one that was humping all the time. <laughs> so what is it? What is it? I guess I'm just... Females are just attracted to me. <laughs> yeah. Not in that way, though, guys. <laughs> It's just I'm surrounded by them. I guess the dog knew that or something. Like that. I don't know. But it's an unusual behavior to see in a female dog. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, and the husband said this. Emma said his name. <laughs> and, and the husband said that. He said, yeah, it is sort of funny that she yeah. does that. Yeah. Okay, anyway. Enough dog stories. So we were pushing for, uh, I don't know, four and a half, five hours on and off. You know, first letting her do the instinctual pushing, then asking if she wanted some guidance, and then um, really actively pushing and um, and then you could tell that she was getting really discouraged and Dr. Fishbein was in the other room. And so I said, you know, we do have Dr. F here. He could come in and help do an assisted delivery. Um, and then I kind of went out and talked to you about it. And we had a couple of mild decelerations, nothing big, you know. Um, and you were like, what are we doing? Let's just get this baby out. Yeah, I'd, been, I'd, I'd gone through my playlist twice. <laughs> So, so he came I was, in. I was on a podcast. I had gone through my playlist twice. It was time to get the baby out. That's, that's how you know when your playlist has gone through twice. So he, you came in and gave informed consent and um, did a vacuum delivery. Yeah. Yeah. Baby was great. Mom was happy. Everybody was really needed some glad. stitches. Needed some stitches. Mm -hmm. That's right. the picture that you guys saw. As well. Yeah, that's the. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's the picture for uh, mm -hmm. Instagram for mm -hmm. our podcast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that was a really long labor. I like labor. that picture, though. That was a funny angle for the picture. That Because you could see the baby and everything. You, yeah, mm -hmm. you could see mom, but she was covered. And, mm -hmm. and then you could just see us very busy at work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was good. Um, so, no, it's not. Uh, we'll come back to your question. So, um, and then that was a long delivery on Monday and Tuesday. And then I had another one um, where the mom was laboring for four days. She was not post-dates. She was um, 39 weeks and was amazing. Did an amazing job. Hayes was her doula. Um, we kind of came and went a couple of times during her labor. Um, so proud of that couple. So loving and romantic. Her husband showed up for four days with everything. It was so beautiful. Hayes and I kept looking at each other like, oh my God, <laughs> this is what we didn't get in our in our labor. It was really beautiful. Um, and so we were pushing and she was doing an awesome job. We were in the tub. I thought we were going to have a water birth. And then we started getting some deep decelerations. And so we got her out changed position several times, put oxygen on, and I felt like we weren't gonna, like she was still too far to be able to deliver. And so we were thinking about transporting, um, we were pushing really hard, we got her on the birth stool, um, and baby came down low enough that I was like, it was those moments where you're like, okay, what's the best course of action? And if I had done an episiotomy, I was really certain that she was gonna Tear all the way through because her perineum was super short and so I knew you were really close you were a few minutes away seven, seven minutes. yeah and so I was like I looked at Hayes and I said what about having Stu come um and she was like yeah and so you got the call what were you doing she said she was pretty it sure wasn't that late no no it wasn't that late no. was it what time was it like the baby was born 10? at 10 yeah 9 30 yeah. was like 9 no I wasn't so okay right. and you Hall butt over. Yeah, I just put my put my jeans on and uh, everything's in my car already. And yeah. uh, I think I was there in twelve minutes. It was amazing. You know, it took me a few minutes to get to my car, but it was a you know way said seven minutes. Yeah. And uh, then I didn't couldn't find a place to park. Yeah. 
And then, so then I was going to call you and my phone rang and it was Rebecca, I think. Or no, it was Hayes. Mm -hmm. Hayes. Saying, baby's here. Baby was born. Yeah. I felt bad now that I got you up to come over. So. Well, I wasn't bad at all because because it was only seven minutes away. If If it had been Orange County. Oh, my. Wow. <laughs> we got you a thank you gift. That is a great gift. And 18 is a really good whiskey. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So that's for you. By the way, this has a sentimental value to me, Glen Morangy, because, and it's funny because today is my boy's 18th or 28th birthday. Mm-hmm. We well, can four, share some with them. Four or five years ago, we were um, in Scotland together, and I sent them some videos and pictures from Scotland as part of their little birthday wake-up thing this morning. And uh, we went to the Glen Morangy Distillery, mm-hmm. and we toured it. Just like you do wine tasting, you do whiskey tasting, I guess. And so this is great. And then 18 is, as it says here, extremely rare. Yes. Extremely rare. So I just want to thank you for always being there for me and my clients. And this is a card from the family, which you can read later. (laughs) Okay. Um, So anyways, that was amazing. And um, I was... It was well, that's really sweet. You didn't have to do that, but that's really sweet. I want I'm, to. I'm, I'm feeling really good now. I, oh, good. Yeah. You I, were a little, I was a little bummed this morning. I was I a little sore. My, my body is really I giving me trouble. Oh, I forgot to tell you guys. I'm, I have my first Pilates session. Secretly, don't tell anybody because it's <laughs> California. And I don't think it's supposed to be open yet. Um, it's I'm private, not telling right? anybody where I'm going. Or It's always been private. Yeah. Right. It's my first Pilates since, I think, March. So I'm, I'm very excited, Good. but I'm also apprehensive because <laughs> because I've lost all the flexibility that I, I was getting from going to those lessons. Yeah. And it's, I am so, you know, I hike every day almost, mm-hmm. but I am so stiff at night. So like that. Yeah. Everything aches. It's going to be great. And I have a stinky little bathtub, so I got to get a new place just because so I can get a better bathtub. Yeah, it's going to be great. Right. Or I could just you put a birth pool in a box in my living room and fill, <laughs> it, and fill it up every night. <laughs> Can I do that? A lot of work. Yeah, I could do that. That would be fun. All right. Uh, okay, so we, we have to um, read a letter that we've been mentioning, meaning to read for a long time from a listener from Natalie from Missouri. So Natalie, we hope you're here because we're finally reading your letter. Yeah, if you're not, we will. Um, we will. Uh, listen to the yeah, you'll listen to the podcast, but know that you're doing it. Okay. So this is from Natalie. This is dated a month ago, actually. I love the podcast. I've been listening for several years now. I have a question, and I'm curious to hear you discuss. At one point, Bliss mentioned that breaking the waters could cause the baby not to rotate all the way. I was wondering if that's true in a lot of cases or what you think about that. Before we get on a little further, if people are listening right now, let us know how the sound is working, at least the sound on Facebook for the people that are listening on Facebook. Just give me a thumbs up. It was better last week. Yeah, but we're in a different room now. and It's sort of hollow, and I want to make sure that the speaker is close enough to us, the microphone. Okay, so then she goes on. With my firstborn, my midwife broke my water because I was losing strength and she hoped it would move things along, which is reasonable to do. I was at eight centimeters, but it did not, and I gave birth four hours later. With my second child, my labor was fast and intense, and at the end, I was pushing and contractions were overwhelming. My midwife, my, my midwife offered to break my water, and I wanted to be, it to be over with, so I said yes. As soon as she broke my water, my baby crowned and came out in one push, mm-hmm. which is very common in multips. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was so fast and I did not expect it to be all at once like that. In this case, I'm sure I could have just kept pushing a little longer without breaking my water, but I was done and I didn't hardly tear with this one. Now with my third born this summer, it was another faster labor, but not as intense as before. I had long breaks between contractions. I was fully dilated when my midwife arrived, but she said I could wait a while for baby to descend more pushing before pushing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I labored for at least another hour and and a half, which is a little unusual in a multip who's completely dilated. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? No. No. Okay. Mm-hmm. Friedman would say it's abnormal. Mm-hmm. I don't care. <laughs> She's off the curb. All right. Then I started pushing. I didn't necessarily have a strong urge to push, but once again, I was ready to be done. My midwife offered to break my water, and I was really hoping not to do that this time around. But of course, it's tempting in the moment. Mm-hmm. I agreed, anticipating the immediate birth that I had in the second pregnancy, but it didn't happen as fast this time. It was minutes before I had another contraction. Once I did, I pushed several times. I was struggling a bit to follow through with my, with them, but most of them were effective anyway. He was born, half-born for a full minute, so my midwife had to reach in and rotate his shoulder, 
So he could come out. He was, it sounds like a mild shoulder dystocia, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. He was 100% healthy and I thankfully didn't tear. When I heard Bliss mention that information about breaking the water affecting rotation, I wondered if that was likely cause of him getting stuck. He was my biggest baby, eight and a half pounds. Curious about your thoughts. Natalie. So, what are your thoughts? Um, well, I think that I was hopefully mildly misquoted. Yes. I yeah. Think, I think you were. Yeah, because what I what I believe is I don't believe in intervening in the natural birth process unless there's a clinical indication to do so. That's kind of my overall. So I almost never break the bag of waters. And if we, especially in a primat, if we have somebody who's having a longer labor and you release the waters, it could be that the baby was in a malposition. And I do believe that without the water, that it can be harder to rotate. Um, but I don't think that a baby will not rotate if the bag is broken. I just believe that it could compound the issue of having the bag released. So I trust the process of the bag staying intact. And babies born in the call, in their sack, um, is very um, spiritually auspicious. Yeah, yeah. So, if you believe that sort of stuff, I mean, if you're talking, this is from my perspective. If you're taught that sort of thing, right? I mean, so that's something like that's never mentioned in medical. No, of course world, right? not. But in midwifery, it is. So I don't like to mess with that. And I don't think that breaking the bag of waters um, is is more likely to lead to shoulder distortion. No, no, right. just rotating. So, that was, so I think it was just one of those things that happens. And you were talking about rotation of the head, not rotation of the shoulders, too. I think that's mm-hmm. what you're talking about. The other thing I would like to say about that in that story is that I think that there are very subtle ways that we disempower women in birth, even midwives in home birth. And so I think that being very careful and judicious in the ways that we step in and try and save people. Um, and then, of course, um, informed consent is always your right. So if it's something that you desire, if you want your practitioner to break your bag or to augment your labor, if that's something that feels important to you, then um, you deserve the right to be able to say that. Um, I just think that there's something um, that happens for women when they are able to follow their body's natural rhythm all the way to having their baby in their arms. That's really special. That's me. Yeah, I think that's good. That's a great answer. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Natalie, for writing for that. Um, by the way, I did buzz my own hair this morning. How did I do? Good. Did I? Can't, can't tell in the back. It's a little longer up here, I think. Yeah, I, you know, my buzzer won't buzz that. So and I need to clean this up. Okay. But <laughs> it's hard to get your back. Um, I can answer uh, either Javi or Chavi's question real quickly. She says, what? Yeah, I was trying to figure out how you Yeah, I don't it. want to mispronounce it, but yeah. it's... It's C H A V I, so I think it could be it could be Chavi, or if she's Jewish, it could be Chavi. Yeah. Chavi, can you say Chavi? Chavi. No. <laughs> I thought it was close. No. no. All right. Chavi. Very, oh, that's better. Okay. For someone with asthma that goes up and down, would that be a problem if they want a home birth? All right. Um, I can only speak in general terms. I can never speak on an individual case, but the answer would be no. For me, it would not be a problem for a home birth at all, especially if you have. Medication. medication that you would take. I mean, it's really rare to see an asthmatic attack. There are certain medications we can't use when you're for bleeding and stuff like that when you're an asthmatic. But ultimately, it's very unlikely you'll get an attack. And and if you were to get a mild attack, you could take your inhaler. And if you get a problematic attack, then yeah, I guess then you go in. Yeah. So I would not risk somebody out at all. I don't believe it's a contraindication for us either. Correct. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. For midwives. So I'll have to look into it, but. Um, what would be the medications that you would not use with an Well, you can't use uh, mesoprostol. You can't use prostaglandins. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. In people with uh, asthma. Because it restricts something? Yeah, it's, it has to do with basis. I don't know exactly exact. I don't remember. Don't ask me that question. I don't remember exactly why. I just know that prostaglandins are contraindicated. In, it's interesting. Yeah, you can't use you can't use Cervidel or anything like cervical inductions. Mm-hmm. But you can't use that in an asthmatic. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. There you go. 
Okay, so let's see. I got other things to talk about, but I think we should probably get to some big Dr. Seuss podcast news. I want to hear the... No, we, don't, we don't have that. <laughs> no, when, we have, when we're in studio with John, we could have John occasionally put in a sound, sound effect afterwards. I would stay late and I would say, okay, we're going to do this here or that here. Um, my old, when my old producer, well before John, when I was school with Brian, mm-hmm. Randy, he was, he's a professional, I mean, he's like a radio producer. He had sound effects on his keyboard. So he would put like, you know, like the, like Fred Finstone trying to get his car going, <laughs> the speed running, whenever he would try to he wanted to get out of there fast or something like that. Yeah. He had all great sound effects. You know, we're just, we're low budget here. Yeah. But I think no sponsors, by the way, yet. We'll go ahead. <laughs> like to see us i think that's been one of the other covid pluses is that we've been doing live i think people enjoy our lives tell us if you guys like our lives or if you liked it better when we were in the studio and we well they're gonna that's that's <laughs> anybody that's watching it anybody that's watching you can't just survey the people that are watching well we have podcast people too they can go on and, and give us a, a review about it since you guys have been doing it here, I'm not enjoying the podcast as much. They could do that. They could, but it's unlikely because if they weren't, they wouldn't be watching. Who's on my side? <laughs> <laughs> All right, the battle of logic. All right. So anyway, so we have some uh, some exciting news. I find it really exciting. I thought I was the one that was going to be having this news before you. I know. But sort but of. you changed your mind. Well, co- coronavirus sort of just put a wrench in all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. It's very hard. It was very hard for me to think of making a change, but you, on the other hand, are going to. So let's hear about it. I'm moving. I'm leaving LA, um, but we're hoping to still do the podcast. We just have we to. We are going to still do the podcast. We, we we'll just... do it from your from your uh, your camper van. <laughs> I'll be in my camper van. That's right, and, um, and we'll do it on uh, we'll do it on some other flat platform like Zoom or something like that. Yeah. So, um, so tell, tell them like that. Yeah, them so it's, inter- really, it's, it's really exciting. I'm like so happy for you. Thank you. So I was originally going to do some international midwifery once my son Grant graduated from high school, which is this year. He's in his senior year. Um, but Corona did have an effect on international travel. And as you all know, I lost my daughter almost exactly a year ago on the 22nd. It'll be a year. Um, and so, you know, priorities have just shifted. And like this um, holiday season, I have clients. And so I can't really spend time with family. And moving up north, I have family in Sacramento. My mom's in Northern California. My sister's in Oakland. Um, so, you know, even if I lived in Marin County, I could still go to Sacramento for Thanksgiving or Christmas and be on call. And so that just has been a big uh, motivator for me. Plus, LA is, um, it's different. It's changed. It's, it doesn't feel the same huh. here. You think? Yeah, to me anymore. Even the West Side, which I always loved, loved, loved for so do you, long. Do you I think that's related mostly to the lockdown and, and, and that sort of thing? That's, that, you know, people are different. Businesses are different. People are hiding more. They're not showing their face. They're not going out. There, there's no events going on. I mean, do you think that's... I mean, maybe. And then, you know, the, our homeless situation here is oh, uh, yeah, epic. Well, and um, so I, that, yeah. I wish I could do more um, <laughs> so, for them. So, but you'll run away because that's what you need. That's what, that, I need to do trees, honestly. There's nothing you can do, yeah. with, you know, and, unless, unless, we, unless we change the way our priorities, unless we elect people who make it a priority to restore those sorts of things that, that made this area so spectacular 20, 30, 40 years ago, mm-hmm. we're, we're, it's, it's not going to suddenly get better. Yeah. So I've lived in LA all my life. Um, that was pretty good without getting political. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm ready. I really get political. I'm ready for a change. So the plan is um, I'm going to get a camper, an RV with my nephew. Um, I'm going to be doing some remodeling of it in the next couple of months as my practice starts to slow down. I'm taking clients here in L.A. until June. And then in July, packing up all of our stuff, sending it up north, getting in the RV, going to Iowa, doing a little road trip with my boys. Um, We probably will be going through Montana and... um, and Missouri and New Mexico. Like I've been trying to think about where we're going. Those, those, those states aren't really connected. I know. 
I know, but we've been thinking about where we want to go. <laughs> I wonder what road you're, you're going to take that goes from Missouri from Missouri to Montana no. to, to New Mexico. We've been thinking about the states that we want to go through. Oh, we okay. do have some family members and stuff along the way and people that I we I got it. I know. I'm just, I'm just, like always, I'm just teasing you. Um, I just wondered about your geography there. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm going to set the boys up in Sacramento in an apartment because it's a lot cheaper up there to launch um it's a lot you know they can get a two-bedroom apartment for a third of the cost of what they can get here so um and then i'm gonna keep going and i'm gonna drive i've been wanting to do this drive for a while where i'd go through um oregon which is where i did some of my midwifery studies and then up through washington and then into canada i have midwife friends along the way that i'm gonna stay with you go all the way up to alaska maybe you should Maybe. Yeah. yeah. And then I'll land in the the Bay Area for the holidays. I'll come back. So I'll be gone from August to about the end of November on a solo trip. Um, I've never lived alone ever. So um, I feel like it's a good time for me to just reflect and not have cl clients and not be taking care of kids and really just... Um, that from a spiritual perspective, they call it like a walkabout, although I'm not walking, mm -hmm. I'm driving, but you know, just to kind of be in nature, I have, um, Sky's midwife, Ty Carson, who's one of my mentors. Um, she lives on the Orca Islands in Washington and she said I could come and park there for as long as I want. So I just want to yeah. be out of LA and, um, kind of see Scor where the Scor wind takes gorgeous me. up there. It rains a lot and it's cloudy a lot, but it's, it's beautiful. But I, I've, I've been up to this, they're called the San Juan Islands, I think. Mm -hmm. And, or I think Orca Island is one, one, one of them. One mm -hmm. of them, right? Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's gorgeous up there and, you know, you can go kayaking, see the whales, lots of good bike riding, trails and hiking. Yeah. It's really pretty. It's pretty. And it's, it's different. I mean, you know, stay away from Seattle. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Stay away from Portland. Mm -hmm. right? and, I have some friends in Seattle that right, I'll go see. Right. But you mean like... And if you did a drive, if you went all the way up to Alaska, you could you could probably hang out and stay with my friends, Glenn and Tara. Uh, he's an obstetrician. She's a midwife. Oh, they, cool. they have a birth center oh, cool. um, in uh, uh, Wasilla. Mm -hmm. yeah, Wasilla is only famous for being the home of Sarah Palin. <laughs> but, but, but it's actually really pretty up there. Really I got great. offered a job in Sacramento at a birth center earlier today. So, I, you know, I probably won't end up in Sacramento. It's not really where I, I think I'm going to be in Marin County. I don't think there's many more trees in Sacramento than there are here. Yeah. Um, so Marin and is they where... they probably have a homeless problem, too, I suspect, in Sacramento. I mean, it's everywhere. I'm not, yeah. like, leaving because I don't, um, because of that. But So that's my big announcement. So I will be here until... Um, until July. And I think one of the hardest things is, is imagining not having resources like you and not knowing like the good chiropractors and who's going to assist me and the great doulas. Yeah, and, yeah. It's you funny, know, you know, if I slow, hard. if I slow down, well, I have to get a license where you are though. But if I slow down, like I just got a call yesterday from a midwife in uh, Utah. Mm -hmm. who has got two women who are breech in your term. And she wanted to know if I was busy. And when I think of coming to Utah, I said, I said, well, I've got two people left due this month. One's one's a, one of those 42-weekers mm -hmm. with midwife Abby. Mm -hmm. And then one is a Dr. Stewart on the couch package down in Orange County. Second baby. Was that their first first baby? So yeah. uh, once they're delivered, they don't have anybody till sort of the third week in December. So I was actually thinking about it. There was some set of twins of a woman that worked at the birth center in, in uh Salt Lake City that my, with my friend Adrian, the Wasatch Midwifery Center. And uh, um, she was thinking about having her twins at the at the center, mm -hmm. but the babies weren't growing well and she ended up getting induced uh, two days ago, I guess, at a hospital where her doctor allowed her to have a vaginal delivery with a breech extraction of her second twin. Wow, yay. Right. We and they're so cute. They were, the like, they were like 411 and 415. No, I, they, I, asked for the, I asked who the name was. They just said it was at the... You know the the doctor at the hospital, but I, I, will, I will find out the name, right? But kudos, kudos to her, kudos to him, or her. If it was a she doctor, I don't know if it's a she doctor. Good for catching right. that. 
Um, the only other two things I want to say really fast before we move on to other stuff is I'm doing a couple of programs that I want to kind yeah, of announce. Yeah, you can announce those. So one of them is a prenatal um, community, online community for pregnant women. It's starting at the end of this month. It's one of the silver linings from COVID for my clients as I started to talk to them every week. And um, so I wanted to kind of open it up to people who are not in my care. They don't have to be home birthers, just people who want to have a community of people. Um, so that is starting at the end of this month. And then we're doing a um, innate journey, which is Hayes and I do a childbirth education class that is special because it talks about the sacred and we talk about a lot about sex and intimacy and how that applies to having physiologic birth and um, so we're doing a birth worker class here in LA. Um, it's almost full, but we are starting a wait list. It's on January 3rd. Um, and then we will be doing an online version of it coming up. In, so this um, is going to be a live, live class, not virtual. This one's live. But you're going to work it out so that you're going to have it on, so that you could continue this sort of thing when you're in another location. Or well, also because... taking on all these new things right now. At a time when you're sort of winding down, so. Well, I'm I'm testing the waters for more of a virtual. Thing I've been to following see. you on Instagram, and yeah. you've been posting lots of interesting stuff. Yeah. You should make sure. But also there are people all over the country that I think would like to take part in something like this, a sacred birth worker workshop. And um, so Hayes and I definitely want to do something online for people who are not local to LA. So. I love Sounds you. good. Hey, I was just going to say too that you know the idea of doing these live videos um the only problem with also is if we wanted to bring a guest in mm -hmm. how do they fit on that oh this one you can do a split screen now you can but oh, oh you mean i mean i'm saying in studio there, oh. there's no way to get yeah I, I like the in studio stuff now mm -hmm. that people are ignoring the covid restrictions more and more i think i think that um it would be good to, good to start bringing some guests back in, in the studio like we used to do mm -hmm. When we weren't live, it was easy because you just have John plug in another microphone. Right. Right. Here, I don't know how we would do that, though. We'd have to... We did it once at that at the, at the postpartum at the house. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. We sat. But did we get everybody in? I don't remember how that really worked. We did. We did. Not me, maybe. But. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if the sound was any good enough. Okay. I want to move on to a couple other things. Wait. Before. I'm going to fluff the fire you're while you're talking. fluff the fire. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, we have some other letters, but I'm going to skip those right now, and I'm going to... Um, I, ha I had a, uh, a consult recently for post-dates from a woman who is, I think she's at Kaiser, but I don't really want to blame Kaiser for this. Oh, why not? Without being certain because, <laughs> well, because Kaiser, Kaiser is sort of doing a lot of stupid stuff lately. But, they are. But um, she was 41 and a half weeks when she was seen by uh, a, a certain physician, an MFM. I'll just say an MFM and I don't know where, who told her that she should have a flu shot. Uh huh. Well, that's kind of cool. She's fluffing. You really are fluffing it up. Don't suck backwards though. <laughs> that would be my bad. fire toy. That would be bad. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and then and then when she she politely declined. At, first of all, at forty one and a half weeks, why is she getting a flu shot? I thought you were supposed to get the flu shot. ACOG says in the in the third trimester to protect you because you're more vulnerable when you're pregnant. But why are we trying to give someone a flu shot at forty one and a half weeks? Because they don't want them to have the flu when the baby is here. That's probably why. Right. Yeah. I guess. It's just like they do but the, the whooping cough. Yeah. All. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so the patient declined, and uh, then it was written down in the chart that she declined against medical advice. Uh-huh. Okay. So I was wondering, I said, well, uh, you know, what if, what if patients kept charts on doctors? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what if, oh, that's really warm now. <laughs> Nice fire. So what if patients kept charts on doctors? What if um, every time that you went to the doctor and the doctor's writing notes or typing notes into their, their medical record, that you've got a pad and you're typing notes or writing notes into your medical record? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Do you think doctors would say the same stuff if they knew they were being recorded or, or things were being written down? I'm not sure that they would. So this is my new idea. Mm -hmm. Is it that, that, I mean, you're going to piss off a lot of doctors. Uh, but I don't care. You know that. I don't care. But yeah, I mean, if you come to see me and you want to take notes or you want to even record something that I'm saying when I'm giving you consent about something, I never say no. Mm -hmm. I don't. And if you want to videotape me or you want to videotape the birth, I never say no. Right. Okay. 
there may be a point where I might say I, I, I request the right to ask you to turn off the, the, the video. You don't have to comply, but I might ask you to do that. So, um, but I would have no trouble with that. But I think a lot of my colleagues would have a lot of trouble if, if could you could you repeat what you just said, doctor? Right. That would piss them off. And you think they would say some of the dumb stuff they say, like home deliveries for pizza or uh, or. Um, Home yeah. For don't come crying to me when you know when you're you know if you, if you uh, don't want an epidural at the very end. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah, they say a lot. Yeah, or they say something like, well, "Would you have your teeth pulled without uh, anesthesia?" That sort of dumb stuff that they say. Or you know, you declining a flu shot, asking them, "Well, what's the risk of me getting the flu, or what's the risk of me getting pertussis, or my baby getting pertussis because I declined the DTAP shot?" And now you're writing the chart that I'm declining against medical advice, or I'm a non-compliant patient, tell me what the risks are. Oh, you don't know the risks? You just think they're higher? Okay, fine. Let me write that down. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then you could, we could have a website for that. We could have a website where people public. We used to have, you know, your doctor said what, or your OB said what. But I'm not talking about something that's, that's crazy. I'm talking about just getting a, a log. I, mean, I think doctors would change how they do things if they knew that somebody was actually listening and writing down what they were saying. Yeah. And they would never say some of the things that they say. Yeah. And a lot of stuff that they write in the chart, they never tell the patient anyway, like non-compliant or that sort of thing. I um, have a real problem with that non-compliant thing. That sometimes goes around with midwives too. It's like, you know, I don't know. That's a hard one, you know, because where is the, where is the line between giving people true informed consent and then you saying that they're not compliant, you know, um, and it's a judgment, correct? Yeah, well, I'm not complying with what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. I mean, but when you, that, when you tell your son to clean his room and he doesn't clean his room, do you write down, you know, Grant was non-compliant? <laughs> no. Why do you have to write that down? Other than you're covering, somehow you're covering your own ass. Well, yeah. That's why you're yes. writing it down. Yeah, for sure. All right. Mm -hmm. Now, if you just if you have in your your routine that you always say to people, I would at 28 weeks you have it on your checklist or whatever that I offer the Tdap shot, I offer the flu and shot, they decline. and they decline it. Fine, just write decline. Right. Why do you have to write against medical advice or non-compliant? Mm -hmm. That's bullshit. That is to cover your butt. That is to make it seem like you did everything you could, and then. You know, that like somebody's going to come back and sue you because the baby got pertussis at three months of life. Well, what are you thinking? We what? do live in a, in no, a crazy. We don't live in that. Culture. It's not that crazy, though. To think like that's going to happen is the crazy part mm -hmm. because that's not going to happen. And it, yeah, you know, do fluky things happen? Do really good drivers sometimes drive into a parked car? <laughs> yeah, it happens sometimes. Mm -hmm. You guys heard that, I think. But I think I told that story, didn't yes. I? Yes. Okay, good. All right. right. So, yeah. So, fluky things happen sometimes. They just do. All right? But to change everything, when you start doing stuff like that, what do you do? You actually just you destroy trust in the system. Don't you agree? Say it again. When you start documenting things like that and, and thinking, making it adversarial and... Saying things that and, and not being able to explain them, like, you know, you you know, you, your twins have to be delivered at 37 weeks because the stillbirth rate goes way up. Mm -hmm. What is the stillbirth rate? Well, it goes way up. They don't but what know. is it? Mm -hmm. Well, it goes way up. <laughs> okay. Um, then when you find out that it basically goes from 99.93% not happening to 99.54% not happening, all right, between 37 and 40 weeks, um, then you realize that the, that the guy was lying to you or skewing his consent or is an idiot or just doesn't or didn't know or doesn't know. He's just regurgitating information that he once heard without checking the sources. All right. And so you begin to lose trust in the system. Right. Obviously, it's a big problem everywhere right now, losing trust in our institutions. Mm -hmm. But losing trust in the, in the medical world is something that I, that's deeply uh, affects me and, and how I feel about my profession. And um, I teach about it. I'm actually going to, I've been asked by 
Robbie Davis Floyd. If people you know might know who she is, she's an anthropologist who's written some books on um, obstetrics in America or, or other parts of the world, I think. And she's going. I'm writing a chapter on um, on sort of why doctors don't change, why they stick with things even when they don't work. Mm-hmm. And I got lots of thoughts on that. I mean, I, I, it gets into you well, know, that's humans, right? I mean, it's not just doctors. Well, but that's what she's writing about. Yeah, yeah no, no. The cognitive bias and and uh, and uh, uh, um, no confirmation bias and cognitive dissonance. Sorry, I mixed the two, put the two together. Are two of the what I call a trilogy of bias. The other one being premature cognitive commitments. And these are, I think I've talked about them before on the podcast, but I can briefly go through them at all. Confirmation bias is when you. Everybody has one. There isn't a person on the world that maybe children don't have it, but there isn't a person on the world who's read or been educated that doesn't have confirmation bias. And it can be as simple as you sitting there and me sitting there and me drawing a six right here. Mm-hmm. I have this great slide. Mm-hmm. And I ask you, what number is that? And you say nine. Mm-hmm. And I say six. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's because it depends on your perspective. So it's a very simple analogy for uh, confirmation bias. Everybody has that. They will also have um, cognitive dissonance, which everybody should know what that is. But it's like cognitions are thoughts. And when you have dissonant cognitions, it means that your brain is uncomfortable because it's hearing two different things and it can't reconcile them. And that makes everybody uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. A very simple example of that would be like you're on a diet, but you're walking past a, uh, a gelato shop. All right. And they've got this great chocolate raspberry truffle stuff and so you say okay i'm just going to get it and i'll I'll start my diet tomorrow so what you've done i've never been there by the way i don't know what you're talking about what (laughs) where i'm supposed to eat well and i don't you're teasing me right so so that that that's a very simple example a more difficult example it would be what we have going on in the political world right now or you know or even in my in my thing why do doctors continue to do uh to say that all breaches should be sectioned Right, because there's good evidence that it's not, that that that's not true. Yeah. All right. So how can they keep saying that? Well, they they basically there's three, two or three techniques to getting rid of dissonant cognitions. One is to ignore conflicting information and cherry pick your data. Two is I don't I don't know if I'll remember all three. And two is to um, ridicule anyone who has an opposing viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Oh, that guy, he's crazy. The fish buying guy, he's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I forgot what the third one is, but there, there's two or three techniques of getting rid of, um, or just embellishing the data that supports your position, I guess, would be sort of the opposite of the first one. So you have all these things that go on, and then you have something called premature cognitive commitment. This is a much more uh, nebulous one. What are you laughing at? What am I doing? No, it's my brain. Premature cognitive, what? Commitment. Yeah, and no, it was, yeah, yeah. That's just me. Oh, that, that, is, my brain. that is funny. <laughs> right. Did right. you get the joke, you guys? Yeah, she, they got it. Okay. Your viewership is going up while we're talking about the <laughs> joke. So. Um, all right. So anyway, premature cognitive conventions is much more nebulous. It's much harder to pin down. But uh, the example that I use when I'm speaking is, say you're at your first job and you're called into your boss's office and, you're, and he fires you. And it's very stressful for you because you like your job, you like the people there, and for whatever reason they're they're laying you off or they're downsizing or whatever, and they and you get fired. And on the boss's desk is pencil sharpener and a vase containing orange Gerber daisies. Okay. Now you don't re- you don't register that your brain registers that you don't register that. Twenty years later, you go to a cocktail party, you walk in the front door, and on the co- on the coffee table is a vase of orange Gerber daisies. Right. And you're triggered. And you're triggered, and you don't even know why. You feel nauseous. You feel uncomfortable. These are these are things that that maybe in the breach world, something they had a bad outcome, or they heard a bad story, or whatever else years ago, and it has nothing to do with what they're knowing now or something else. And then they hear the word breach, and they immediately get this gut feeling inside of them. Mm-hmm. And that's really a hard thing to change to change that sort of thing. You really have to get these people early so they don't develop these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. But those are the what I call the trilogy of bias and why people do what they do. But all these things, if you if you 
don't recognize what you're doing, you're going to destroy your trust in the people that you're supposed to be helping. They're not going to listen. They're not going to listen to you anymore. They're not going, and, and the institution is going to become. And that's why people are very suspicious now of hospitals. Why fathers can't go to twenty-week ultrasounds, right? I've met a lot of people who've told me that, and every time they start telling me the story, they start shaking their head. And they said, "I have no idea why they do that." I mean, for you know, I'm sleeping with her. She yeah. lives in my house. Mm -hmm. All right. The tech can go in and out for lunch. She can go out to to, to um, some restaurant for lunch with some of her coworkers and come back in, but I can't come in with my wife. Yeah. And so you start to lose faith. Like when our governor says things like Thanksgiving, you can only be there for two hours and you have to have your dinner outside and you have to wear a mask between bites and you can only have three different family groups there. And you, Is this a real thing? Yeah, it's a real thing. Look it up. Wow. That's your governor Newsom. Um, wow. Right. And so when you start doing stuff like that, which are things that are unenforceable, or they make a mockery of this, then, then everything becomes a mockery. Mm -hmm. And anything that comes out of their mouth, you don't believe anymore. And maybe there's a point to that. Maybe chaos is something that's supposed to happen to, to us at this point in our, in our evolution. And maybe there's supposed to be some major shift. All right? Wow. But, it, but it's not going to end well. This stuff never ends well. When you break down trust in the institutions that, you know, it was like the church, all right? I mean, the church has always had its detractors and stuff like that, but when they had like the the child sex scandals and stuff like that, or and then they ignored them, that's even worse. You know, they had them and then they ignored them, they buried them. Like people lose faith in, the, in that sort of thing. And in a place like our country was founded on um, Judeo-Christian values. And when they do that, they hurt every, they, they destroy everything. When, when, when an institution that we relied on, right, doesn't, isn't reliable, or the judiciary, or the, or the, or the political branches, or, you know, like, you know, the military, anything. When they do something that's outrageous, um, you lose faith in them. Mm -hmm. So, doctors need to, like, we could be, we could start being more honest. We just could. Well, I think, I think it, it starts with courage to go against the system. And there aren't very, like we talked, started in the beginning of this podcast is how many doctors are out there that are like you <laughs> not many there aren't many you know just to have the courage to to give real informed consent and not to be skewing your information and the options that you're giving people based on um risk you know um that's it's just not happening anymore the right. system is broken the system is broken right so i want to i want to end the podcast today uh we've got about six or seven minutes. I set my alarm on my phone to go off in two minutes, but I just turned it off. I want to talk because there's a, there's a 300 pound gorilla or 800 pound gorilla or 1200 pound gorilla in the room right now. Uh, not in this room, but in the world right now in, in America right now going on. And I don't know what will be have resolved or not resolved by the time this post gets posted um, on Dr. Stu's podcast page or up on Facebook. But I want to read a couple of things because what's going on in the country right now is really upsetting to me. I, I, I might get emotional. First of all, it's Veterans Day, but the upending of the of honesty and the lack of truth being a value to a lot of people in this country, and not wanting to get to the bottom of things and not wanting to understand why things happen, so that we could have so-called unity. Right now, unity is impossible. Unity is a, like a, anybody who says unity is either naive or they're being deceptive because you can't have unity between people who disagree on something so fundamentally like open borders, closed borders. How do you get unity with that? Pro-life, pro-choice. How do you get unity with that? You can't. Okay. So you can't call for unity, but you, what you can call is a trust in the institution so that we can then go forward and say, okay, this is my president, this is my Congress, and then if we can find problems with the system, we can fix them so that we can all have trust in the system again. Unless the goal is to not have trust in the system again. So I just want to read a couple of things. So there's been a steady decline in respect for a whole host of institutions and traditions that people used to rely on that kept everything together, one of them being the rule of law. Things that were 
the glue that kept the culture and the society together and going forward. Things like religion, family, community, the, the, the Elks Club, the Boy Scouts, the, the uh, nuclear family, uh, going to church, synagogue in my case. Those things were, are all under attack. They're all under attack right now by a certain wing of a certain political party. <laughs> so, you know, and you're not going to, you know, you're not going to be happy with me when I say this, but I have to read this stuff anyway. So, okay. And tell me if you think I, if you disagree with me. Okay? I do. Okay. Which part? Um, well, I, as far as I know, the foundation of, of our government was to keep church and state separate. Oh, I'm not talking about government. I'm talking about the institution of the church as being something that kept society together. But okay. not but not everybody feels that way. No, I know that. Yeah. I know that, but are, 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 but wounded on Judeo-Christian values, all right? Now we want to undermine all those. We want to tear down all the statues. We want to shut all the churches. We want to, I mean, why are churches still closed in California? I don't know. Okay. However, I do, I do but, but. I do think that um, we've done a lot of things that have suppressed um, other cultures. I mean, the whole. We're not, but I'm, yeah, I understand that. I'm talking specifically about what's going on right now, post election, in the country. All right. Go ahead. An, you honest, an honest person would have to say, you know what? If if we think that Joe Biden won, then let's then then let everybody investigate. Let's find out. Because if we don't allow the process to go forward, half the country is going to be as upset as the other half of the country was four years ago. Yeah. And the other half of the country was that. And that's not good for our country. No, our country's divided, right. period. And okay. we can see by how close that race was. So this is, from, this is I took this off the internet. I, I read it. It's um, real briefly because we're running out of time. Mm -hmm. okay. Today, half the country may never trust an election again. Not because of the pending outcome, but because of the process by which we arrived at it. Everyone knows about chicanery in Democratic machine-run districts. This has been going on for a long time, and I'm not picking on my friends who are Democrats, but I am picking on the people who run Philadelphia and Detroit and, and Chicago and Atlanta. Those, those Democrat, those cities always have trouble. Why could Florida count its votes? Why Ohio could count its votes and have, them have the results in three days? And we're now what? What's today? The 11th? Mm -hmm. We're now eight days past the election, and there are certain states that still don't have their vote counts in. How is that possible? Um, but never has there been anything like what's transpired at the apex of the perpetual coup on November 3rd, in the middle of an election night on which the president made historic gains with blacks and Hispanics and romped in, and romped in the two bellwether states of Florida and Ohio, in which his Republican colleagues stunned pollsters by dominating Democrats and toss-up and even Democratic-favored races, in which the president was up by large margins in every major battleground state, suddenly, without explanation, they stopped counting the vote. All right, were the machines kicking into gear to conjure up the votes needed to stop the catastrophe of the president winning re-election? Certainly such things have been done before in isolation, but in urban centers in several states all at once, really? Could a fix of this magnitude really be in? The media had to point, had that, had to point, the media had to point to that point, refused to put clear Trump victories in the win column, such as in states like North Carolina, Florida, they didn't, they didn't call those states, but they called states for Biden that were much less certain than that, right? Um, is this a coincidence? Is it a narrative so that Biden was never behind? In the wee hours of the morning, suddenly tens of thousands of votes started to be reported from the bluest cities in the battleground states. Some dumps apparently consisting of 100% Joe Biden votes. This never happened before. In coming hours and days, parties fought and even defied court orders that Republicans be permitted to oversee the counting. Why were they hiding? Evidence group alleged voting irregularities, alleged ballots, illegal ballots, dirty voter rolls, software glitches, unlawful ballot harvesting, and statistically improbable outcomes. A mass of recounts, audits, and re related litigation are now pending. Um, every one of these single battleground states might have broken Joe Biden's way in a normal election in which Americans cast their votes in person with proper identification, but the foregoing has cast a shadow on our elections and the way in which election count unfolded seemingly breaking entirely in Biden's favor after an election night freeze. 
The, anecdote and, the anecdotal and in some cases more robust evidence of corruption and fraud, our faith in the integrity of our elections and our republic itself has been shaken. All right? Never forget that the media took itself upon itself to coronate Joe Biden as the winner well before the counting was done. That certain world leaders were surely rooting for the return of America last globalism called to congratulate the former vice president and that he stood up his transition so quickly only further suggests a hasty effort to ram this election through. Anything that might arise subsequently to challenge the narrative will now be dismissed attempt to, quote, undermine our democracy, under quote. They never call it a republic, by the way. They call it a democracy. We aren't a democracy. We're a republic. Suppress the vote by tossing out illegal votes or steal the election by obtaining a legal certifiable official final tally. If you express a desire to count legitimate votes, discard a little illegitimate ones and get an accounting as to how, why, and the extent of the illegitimacy to ensure your vote is not diluted and your voting rights are not therefore violated, you will be gulagged on social media and beyond. The fever dreams of the ruling class previously telegraphed about dragging the president from the Oval Office will, of course, intensify the longer the process takes. Meanwhile, Joe Biden is calling for healing. I understand that. This typical politician does that. After an election in which he compared the president, of whom 71 million people were, to Nazis, called the only reporters who scrutinized him Russian traitors, and routinely badmouth the country as systemically racist. Um, this is what they believe. This is who they are. For four years, President Trump has achieved major victories in the face of this opposition, making our country richer and stronger than it was when he assumed office. But his achievement, his greatest achievement, has been boldly and courageously standing up to this wounded bear of a ruling class, which has now shown America its true face. America's eyes are now irrevocably open to what has become their country and what it must be to overcome to take it back. And the rest of it, I can, I'll just leave off. But my point being is that, you know, that I think, oh, we're still on with Instagram. Great. My point being is that whether you hate Trump, I don't think anybody really hates Joe Biden. All right. But whether you dislike the, what he stands for or the, or the left wing of the Democratic Party, truth has to be a value. If we don't have truth as a value in counseling patients or in politics, we really don't have a, we don't have a country anymore. And I, for one, love the country. It's, it, you know, it's the best country. Well, it's the only country I've ever lived in. But it's, <laughs> but it, but it's, it's, it's a great country. Yeah, it's not equal. It will never be equal. It's flawed. All right? But we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You just can't do that. I mean, I've had a bad outcome in birth. Does that mean I should be thrown out? No. All right? Have I made bad judgment calls in my career? Yes. Does that mean I should stop being a physician? No. All right. So we have flaws, but we shouldn't throw the whole country out down the toilet. You hear the, the, the way people talk. They say things like, you know, we're going to fundamentally transform America. And I, for one, don't like that saying. And maybe I've said it on the podcast before, but you don't fundamentally transform something that you love. So people who say that they want to change America, they want to. I mean, I understand you want to make America go in certain directions, and stuff like that, but you don't want to fundamentally transform her. She's done great. And we need to have truth back. If we don't have truth back and we don't have trust in our systems, then we really have nothing. And I'll end on that note. And you're welcome to. Well, I tell think. Me, tell I, me you love I, me anyway. I do love you anyway. Um, I think that um, this is a difficult conversation to have. Gotta for have sure, it. Which is why I stay away from politics on the podcast. Um, but it it's. I think that you and I are a representation of something something really important is that we can disagree um, and still find ways to respect and listen to one another. And um, I, yeah. You don't have to call me names and I don't have to break in your house and steal your Nikes. You don't, I don't have any Nikes, but. Um, and so it is, it is challenging for me and, and um I, I love you so much and I have a hard time understanding your politics and I'm sure you have a hard time understanding mine. I don't have a hard time understanding yours. But what we I, do... I disagree with you. Where, <laughs> where we overlap um, is I do agree that truth is important. I do agree that it's very hard to find out what is truthful anymore and that we have lost faith and that um, we're in a very difficult position as a country um, because we are very divided. And I don't believe that 
Biden is going to necessarily transform that. I think that both sides are actually very corrupt and very broken. And um, I didn't I don't have a lot invested in um, that, like being the thing that's going to change everything. I agree with you, but I but I'm going to say goodbye to my Instagram. I think it's more on one side than the other right now. I think that to deny that is to not be truthful. But I will also say that media and big tech have shown their true colors, not covering stories that need to be covered. Ignore. I think that happens on both sides. Well, but who could? What, what media does? What does the right control when it comes to the media? I, I think that happens on both sides. I, don't. I think it's very hard to know what the truth is anymore, and I think that there's no big tech. Other, you know, there's you have Google, mm-hmm. Facebook, YouTube. Google, YouTube. That are uh, all left-leaning. Twi- is what not only left-leaning, mm-hmm. but they're they're censoring opinions and they're censoring stuff that doesn't fit with their narrative. That's really dangerous. That, that is that, dangerous. That's I heading, agree. That's heading towards Soviet Union-style Pravda. I agree. You know, the name of the Soviet Union newspaper was Pravda. You know what Pravda means? It means truth. Mm-hmm. It couldn't be more Orwellian. You've seen my t-shirt, mm-hmm. by the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that, for me, does not... It, it, it's... I think that you and I can overlap with that without having it to be a political conversation. I think that that is true. I think that the censorship is very dangerous. And I think that um, it is very hard to figure out what is truthful anymore. And I think that this country is in, is in a lot of trouble because we are so divided. And I hope that us being able to have respectful conversations and to still be able to continue to have love and respect for each other um, can represent something. Yeah. Because, you know, we, we do have very different ways of thinking about this thing, but there is a lot of other things that we can continue to look at and have respect for it. Right. And this all stems from my initial conversation about about what's going on, what, what doctors are saying to their patients and what hospitals are doing and the three trilogy and the trilogy of bias, mm-hmm. three trilogy of bias would be a tautology, I guess. It would be. <laughs> I'm gonna say goodbye yeah. to my. And my I'm gonna say, and we're we're, we're six so minutes much. over, so Thanks I'm gonna say goodbye. With us. I can't believe what I can't believe is that the video stayed on the entire time. I know. Right. I think maybe it was the fireplace. <laughs> right. So anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna just uh, grab my uh, my goodbyes paperwork here. I don't really need it. I know it by heart. Anyway, um, this has been Dr. Stu's Fireside Podcast number, I don't know, 19. 19. Uh, you can reach me at uh, askdrstu at gmail.com or um, birthinginstincts.com is my website. Bliss's is? Bliss at birthingbliss.com. And at birthingblissmidwifery on Instagram. Yep. That sort of thing. So, and if they want to email you, they can do it through your website. Yep, absolutely. Okay, so until next time, peace. And love. Love more. See you later. Yeah, love more. Hashtag.